0: Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Pegg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics, and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, Dr. Peggy
1: Mitchell-Clark.
2: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and I've got Dave Keita taking your calls today. We're here every Thursday from 1 to 2 Mountain and online at drpegradio.com and providing information and inspiration about mental health, wellness, and safety. Now, everyone has heard about the school shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas last week. And the father of the teenager who killed 10 people believes that bullying was the motive behind the school shooting. He believes he must have been mistreated at school. Although the school denies there's been any confirmed reports of bullying that his son was involved in. Now two school resource officers arrived at the school about four minutes after the shooting started and exchanged gunfire with the assailant before a negotiation occurred with the police that ended in the assailant's surrender. Now this 17-year-old told uh, an investigator that he acted alone and he spared people that he liked because he wanted his story told. Well, to help us to understand what happened in Santa Fe and what's happening all across America in our schools, how we can prevent it, and the role that bullying may play in school shootings, my guest today is national safety and security expert Michael Yorio. and later we'll have Erica Price Pollock, who's the mother of a student who's been bullied at school, who will explain what it's like to see your child bullied and have little done to stop it. Uh, But first, we're brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training and has the only evidence-based program of its kind with an accredited CEU. To learn more about SSI Guardian, go to SSIGuardian.com and tell them you heard about them from Dr. Pegg. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, go to drpegradio.com for the program archives. And you can also go to drpegradiocom books to purchase a copy of my 10th anniversary edition of Do Something Different for Change. Well, it's time that we do something different with uh, school safety because we're just seeing these incidents happening all too frequently. And sadly, we've had yet another school shooting, this time in Texas at Santa Fe High School. And my guest today is going to help us understand what happened there, how we can prevent these school shootings from happening elsewhere, and share with us best practices in school safety. My guest is Michael Yorio, National Safety and Security Expert and President of SSI Guardian. Michael, thanks so much for being back on the show with us today.
0: Dr. Peggy, good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, My heart is heavy. I've had you on so many times, uh, and uh, sometimes it's good news and nothing has happened. And other times we're in the aftermath of yet another incident. Uh, today, sadly, is one of those days.
0: Today is one of those days. It's been another uh, challenging uh, going on the sixth, seventh day since, since the recent attack in Santa Fe, Texas. Uh, I actually was on the ground there this week, uh, beginning of the week, uh, in Houston and Santa Fe uh, meeting with school leaders, uh, talking with the media, et cetera. So uh, as we say, a- another tragic event that may have been prevented, quite frankly. Um, there's a lot of uh, conflicting reports out there regarding what actually happened during the event. Uh, for example, did the attacker pull the fire alarm as part of the strategy, or did students or a teacher pull the fire alarm uh, to try to evacuate school? Uh, which would not be a best practice. Um, so there's a lot of
3: well, you know,
0: un, unconfirmed reports out there, including the latest one with a father who believes his son may have been bullied at school. Um, as you know, Dr. Peggy, and many of your viewers, may, or listeners probably know by now, bullying is the number one attributing factor to school shootings. Um, so I, I guess the onus is on the father now, since he has made this claim uh, to come forth with some evidence uh, that his son was, in fact, bullied. Uh, would not surprise me in the least, but, uh, again, he has to uh, prove that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the other factor, this, and this has been confirmed, we secured his weapons from home. So we go back to parents who have guns or weapons um, need to take priorities and, and take precautions and secure these weapons. So that, that's a whole other conversation But nonetheless, a a very uh, tragic and and difficult week for many. Uh, States are struggling. Um, Parents are are looking for answers, demanding more, um, and rightfully so. Uh, One thing I've been quoted on multiple times saying we cannot keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result. People can stand on the mountains of Colorado and yell at the, uh, yell from the depths of their lungs, and it's not going to make a difference. Unless schools are taking a different approach, Um, states as well, states really need to get more involved, in my opinion, setting best practice guidelines and standards for schools to follow. Uh, Many schools are out there trying to create their own active shooter programs. I'm telling you that it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, Schools are trying a variety of different things, some out of necessity, uh, others out of naivety and perhaps ignorance of the threat. 95% 95% of school shooters are current students. This is an internal threat. So when I hear folks, and whether it's on the radio or TV or in the newspapers, calling for increased perimeter security, um, that helps with external threats. But as we know, 95% of the shooters are students. You have to deal with that root cause of this terrible, terrible trend. Yes. It continues to happen all
2: too frequently right well Michael you, you've said uh, so many things that I want to dig into a little bit deeper uh, let's back up a little bit and um, talk about uh, how frequently these incidents are in fact happening um, there is um, a, a, a statistic that is cited repeatedly in the media suggesting there's been over 300 school shootings since Sandy Hook but you say that that figure is inaccurate Give us uh, the the accurate numbers, and tell us why it is so important that uh, schools and the public have accurate statistics concerning even just the number of attacks that are occurring. Sure, and I'm familiar with that statistic, and it's absolutely inaccurate. Um, What happens is different organizations
0: use different points of criteria for listing these events. Um, The official number per the FBI between 2000 and 2016 there have been 48 school shootings, which is way too many. Uh, So that doesn't include, obviously, 2017 and 18, um, and 18 has been quite active so far. Mm -hmm. Um, One school shooting, one loss of life is one too many. That's right. Uh, But that number is not 300 in some post-Sandy Hook. Uh, What what some agencies, not agencies, but organizations have done, they will take any gun incident and categorize that generically as a school shooting Mm. for example uh, in Seaside California just a couple months ago a teacher was giving a weapon safety class and the gun went off accidentally that is not a school shooting that's an incident Mm. without question but you have to put these incidents in the appropriate buckets and categories
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and so why is that so important uh you've, you've you've talked about best practices and standards and um it's so important to to have the research so going all the way back to even just the numbers why is it so important for the statistics to be accurate and then for the decisions that schools are making to take action that needs to be rooted in in fact as well
0: as with any problem that we're trying to address, whether as a community or as a country or as a civilization in general, we have to focus on the facts of the matter and proceed accordingly. So when people hear these you know, 300 and some shootings since Sandy Hook, it creates hysteria in some cases, um, it fuels sometimes a narrative, and, and it can impede decisions sound making decisions that we have to stick to the facts understand best practices, address the the root causes, and and not get, let's say, diverted or distracted by things that are inaccurate. For example, the median age of a school shooter is 16 years of age. That's pretty young. So that's an important factor that not many are talking about. Um, People are quick to believe that let's do one or two things that will make people safe. I see it in the media all the time. Mm -hmm. For example... All we need, some people say, not me, all we need are metal detectors and more armed police officers at the school. But I would challenge these folks. There were two armed police officers, school resource officers at Santa Fe, and we have 10 deceased. It it does not, you could put 20, you could put whatever number you want of armed law enforcement at a school. It does not prevent Does it help with response time? Absolutely. Could you argue that, well, 10 died and maybe not 20? Absolutely. That's a sound argument. But it doesn't prevent these things from happening.
2: And it's not the only solution is what I'm hearing you say. There's multiple variables, multiple um, contributing factors, and so we have to take a holistic approach to not just response, but also prevention. Now, Michael, you've been going around the country uh, serving on panel discussions and participating in town halls uh, to help school officials, administrators, lawmakers understand best practices in school safety. And even in Texas, we're hearing that the Texas governor held a roundtable discussion to look at uh, several things that he's recommending, enlarging or wants to explore. Enlarging the school marshal program, greater parent accountability. Creation of more threat assessment teams, hiring more school counselors, improving communications between law enforcement and school employees, installing metal detectors, uh, statewide monitor- monitoring of social media. Um, and even um, single access entry points. All those things are really being talked about, as, you, as you've uh, mentioned a few of them already. Talk about some of these options from a best practice point of view as an expert who's traveling the country, boots on the ground, uh, in the aftermath of many of these incidents. Um, let's start first with um, single uh, access entry point. That's getting some attention and some, some debate right now.
0: Getting a lot of attention. I actually, um, that day, I was on a national media outlet on the Fox News Channel and followed the governor and lieutenant governor's press conference and I heard it for the first time. Um, That's, again, something, quite frankly, that has not been the issue. Um, To suggest having a single access entry point in a school, um, personally, I don't think that's realistic. Um, You have side doors, you have multiple exits and entrances in a school for sound reason. One of those reasons are fire code. So if you have a single point of entry in a school and the fire alarm goes off, everybody will rush. They will have one way in and one way out. It creates an additional threat. Um, it's not uncommon. A whole bunch of folks running to one entry point can create in a stampede and people could be trampled to death or injured uh, by that, it creates a choke point or what we call a kill zone that the shooter could just camp out there, wait for everybody mm-hmm. knowing that they have to go out this exit and do their damage there. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand after all of these events, uh, people want to offer up new ideas, new suggestions. Uh, I'm sure that this came from a loving and caring place, this this idea. Um, but it's just that. Right. Uh, with, I, I, I always caution everybody, let's remain calm. Let's see how the investigation plays out. And also let's focus on the best practices that have been proven to work.
2: Right, right. And so, I, you know, we saw in, in the movie Stand By Me or Lean On Me with uh, Joe Clark, the principal, chained the doors to keep the, you know, the, the drug dealers out of his school. But he, you know, got arrested by the fire marshal. And so that mm-hmm. really is not a practical, realistic um, solution. We know kids prop doors open as well. Uh, We can't chain the doors. Um, Students can exit out of other doors. and We can um, kind of direct everyone to one door to enter, but kids are going to prop those doors open, and uh, bad guys can come in through the back as well. Um, Let's talk about metal detectors. And listeners, I'm speaking with Michael Yorio, president of SSI Guardian, and he's a national safety and security expert. And we're taking a look at what some of the best practices are what some of the ideas are out there that are being floated around, and why those are viable or maybe not uh, recommended. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can call us at 303-477-5600. Michael, you mentioned metal detectors earlier as well. Um, Talk about the pros and cons of metal detectors at schools. Mm -hmm. So
0: metal detectors can absolutely be effective. Uh, but they do not come without risk. They are not 100% reliable. Um, like anything, it depends upon the level of quality and performance uh, of that piece of equipment, meaning a metal detector may, may have very limited um, detection um, capabilities based upon what piece of equipment was purchased. Uh, wands are popular um, especially in a school setting or if you go to a, a, an event, whether it's a concert or a football game or what have you, mm-hmm. um, there you run the risk of human error. Somebody can want folks, and we know this, you can want somebody and they have something, whether it's a, a firearm or a, a knife or something else that they get through. You also, today in 2018, you have weapons that can be made of non-metallic materials. Mm-hmm. So it would not set it up. So are they good? Yes, they can contribute to a safer school environment, but schools who choose to install metal detectors uh, must be very careful not to uh, get a, a sense of false security thinking, oh, we have metal detectors, therefore we don't need professional development training. We don't need door locks. We don't need anything because we have metal detectors. Um, And and it's very easy for folks to fall into that trap.
2: Sure. Well, you know, I've even gotten items that are more than three ounces through TSA, (laughs) through their (laughs) X-ray machines. And I've heard, you know, horrifying stories of things that people have gotten through those uh, X-ray machines and metal detectors. So we know it's not foolproof.
0: Absolutely. Um, the other part, in speaking with educators, Dr. Peggy, many schools are vehemently opposed to metal detectors. Mm-hmm. They feel that it, it it creates a, a, an environment that's more conducive to a detention center rather than one that is conducive to learning, um, and some hold that same saying Do you want armed um, guards at a school.
2: Right. So we want to make sure that we have an environment that students are feeling safe physically, emotionally, socially, and mentally. My guest is safety and security expert, Michael Yorio. And when we come back, we'll speak with a mother whose son has been experiencing bullying at school. And uh, we know that bullying is being um, uh, put forward as a possible motive in the most recent school shooting in Santa Fe High School in Texas. We're going to take a break, but when we return, we'll hear more from Michael Yorio and my guest, who's a mother of a child being bullied. Stay with us, we'll be back.
1: Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com.
4: You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise, and hers, when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradiocom books to purchase your copy today. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit SSIGuardian.com
2: all right welcome back everyone thanks so much for tuning in this is living well with dr pegg i'm your host dr peggy mitchell clark and my guest today is national safety and security expert and president of ssi guardian mr michael Yorio. michael thanks again for being on the show how can listeners connect with you
0: always a pleasure dr Peggy. listeners can connect with us through ssiguardian.com um, they can call us at 202-676-7166 and uh, we, we welcome them to reach out with, with questions, and uh, we're, we're always help, happy to help.
2: Okay, wonderful. I'll also have a link to Michael Yorio on my website. So if you'd like to share this interview with a friend or if you missed another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, you can go to the program archives at drpegradio.com. And if you'd like to join the conversation or ask Michael a question about best practices in school safety, you can give us a call. We're at 303 477 5600, and we'll put you on the air with us today. Now, uh, the father of the teenager who killed 10 people at Santa Fe High School in Texas last week believes that bullying was the motive behind his son's um, rampage. Um, It's unconfirmed. He believes his son must have been mistreated at school, although the school has not confirmed those reports. So we know how important it is uh, for bullying to be uh, reported and recognized and something to be done about it. And we'll see what um, unfolds in this particular case if there are confirmed reports of bullying. But we also know that uh, not all children will report being bullied for any number of reasons. Um, We know that bullying affects those who are bullied, um, those who do the bullying and certainly even those who witness the bullying. Uh, It's linked to many negative outcomes uh, and impacts mental health um, and uh, just a student's well-being. Uh, To help us understand firsthand the impact of bullying on school children, I'd like to uh, bring on Erica Price-Pollock. And she's the mother of a sixth grader who's experienced bullying. Uh, Erica Price-Pollock, thanks so much for being with us by phone today and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, tell us what's uh, happening with your son. Um, Unfortunately, uh, he's been the victim of um, bullying at school. What grade is he in, and what's been going on?
5: He's in sixth grade. Um, uh, I think the initial thing that kind of started it uh, for him was having two kids that lured him into the bathroom. And I said lured, they were like, come on, let's go to the bathroom, or what have you. One had a, his phone, um, and so they say, let's play tag. And so they begin to play tag. And so um, one child um, hit my son, and then my son hit the, tapped the other child, and then that child slapped him in the face, and the other kid videotaped it. Mm-hmm. And then he posted it on Instagram. Um, and, it's, and it was a couple of days before we knew that this had happened. Um, my son did not share it initially, and it actually just came out accidentally when he was talking with his aunt about it, um, about something else. And then that came out that um, this kid had posted that, that, that had happened to him. And, so- and the kids had been picking on him since they'd seen that post. On Instagram,
2: mm-hmm. and so his initial intention, it sounds like, might not have been to share with you as his parent, uh, and it came out accidentally. Um, so, did you probe, and and what what else did you find out about what had happened or had continued to happen?
5: Well, we exactly, he didn't, he did not share it with us initially, but once it came out, then I of course started asking questions about who the kids were, um, if they, you know, what if they had been arguing with one another um and and that wasn't the case and so that's when i went to the school the next day um and shared with the principal um what my son had shared with me and then he did an investigation and he did determine that um, it was true what had happened um and it it was frustrating because you know what i wanted to know from the principal was was it, did they just not like my child? I mean what what was it about? Right. And he said, Well no, it was just being kids just being silly. Um, they you know, and that's one reason why they just admitted it. And it it but they laughed. In fact the kid posted it on Instagram twice. I think the second time he might have labeled it something. I never seen, you know, it on Instagram. I didn't see what had occurred. But um and it's just from that they Basically, up until now, maybe to the last two weeks, um, he's had several other incidents that has occurred where he has been pushed and slapped um, by other kids, not necessarily these kids. Um, it was actually other kids since seeing that post and then called names. Um, so it's, it's been kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I spoke with the principal, my thing, because I come from a background working, and I worked in a school for five years as a school social worker, and I was coming from the as from that experience to see whether or not I could meet with the parents mm-hmm. because for me that was like a platform, especially since the kids were doing it and they didn't have any ill intentions. They were just being silly kids, right. you know, and just not really understanding the impact. For me, it was about let's educate them um, and come together as parents. But for whatever reason, the school was not willing to um, help that to occur. Um,
2: well, and, so, and Erica, and we'll talk in a moment about how this has impacted your son, but Michael Yorio, uh, safety concerns at school, um, being the victim of bullying. Um, Feeling safe physically and emotionally—all these things are, are so critically important for learning. Um, studies show that students can't learn when they don't feel safe. How how important is is uh, bullying prevention and intervention in response to school safety?
0: Oh, it, it's of the utmost importance. Um, to your point, safety does impact learning. Um, and it, when we say safety, it's not just the threat of something very violent, such as an active shooter situation um, but bullying again i I will go back bullying is the number one attributing factor to school shootings you see davis did a study and they correlated safety to truancy so when a child did not feel safe it could be because that child is being bullied it could be because of a leaky roof a broken piece of furniture or something more severe then that impacts truancy and if kids miss too much school that impacts um testing performance and could contribute to uh increased dropout rates. So it plays a critical, critical role.
2: Absolutely. And Erica, talk about how uh, this has impacted your son. It it sounds like he may have kept this close to the vest for any number of days, and um, certainly that was not without effect. Over time, as um, additional incidents occurred, what kinds of changes have you seen in him? What's he reporting uh, in terms of how this is affecting him?
5: Well, like I said, from the very first incident, it's been at least eight incidents since then, and each time that I have learned that something has occurred, you know, I've gone to the school. One of the incidents um, that he shared with me, he pleaded that I not go to the school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of it is he, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's afraid. And, and the strange thing that, that for me is that I've asked him. I wanted to just take him out of school and homeschool him.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And I have asked him, you know, if he wants me to homeschool him or put him in another school. And he says no. He likes school. He he loves school. And it, it's kind of difficult because I would much rather take him out where I know he's going to be safe and right. not have to experience this bullying. Um, but I'm torn because he, he wants to remain there. He's a kid who just he loves kids. And I think for him, because he comes from a Christian background, um, he was taught to be kind to these people and to, to not hit people, you know, and, he's, and to be respectful to, to people that he, for whatever reason, he thinks that everybody's like that. And so he's kind of like um, in a place where he's, he's high school, but he, and he wants to be friends. He still wants to be friends with these kids,
3: mm-hmm.
5: um, which for me is, is good you know, because I think he's very resilient in that, because he hasn't said he wanted to stay home. Right. I wish he would, just mm-hmm. for me, but I'm glad that he's a kid who's not afraid to go to, go to school, um, but I just hate that he's experienced it. I, I,
2: absolutely. And so you're using that word resilient, and I've spoken about that a lot on my program and how... Um, important it is how valuable it is in coping with trauma and bouncing back from, from things that can happen to us, um, uh, including what you're describing is happening to your, to your son. Uh, it sounds like a very strong and courageous young man, uh, but this has got to be taking a toll on you and your family as well. No mother wants to see her child harmed in any way. As proud as you must be of him being so courageous and resilient, what kind of uh, impact is it having on you and your family?
5: Oh, it's very difficult for me. I mean, I've cried myself to sleep um, just thinking about not being there to protect my child. You know, you raise your kids and, you know, you want to protect them and, and make sure that they um, have a healthy um, upbringing. But when things happen to them and you're not there to, get to, to, to protect them from that, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for my husband, he's you know, it's difficult for him. He and I just deal with it very, very differently. But I will say that my son's grades definitely are are um, suffering mm. behind it.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: so it, it's it's been hard. It's, it's been very, very hard for for us. And like I said, I think more so for me and my husband um, and the rest of my family than it is for my son, which is 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 good in a way right. because he doesn't really see. The complete impact of what, what is happening.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you, there's so many positives in in what is happening uh, that your son is resilient, that he has a supportive family around him. You know, we read the media reports that often link bullying with suicide, and as Michael Yorio mentioned, um, bullying is a is a huge motive in school shootings. And so, um, you know, the good news is that most youth who are bullied do not have thoughts of suicide. Uh, do not become, um, you know, school attackers. And yet that's still such a frightening thing uh, to know that your son is, is being harmed in this way. Yeah. Well, another uh, issue that's often overlooked is the issue of bystanders who observe the bullying. Um, kids who witness bullying are more likely to have increased mental health problems, uh, including depression, anxiety. They also may miss or, or skip school. Um, You know, Erica, not all um, children will report that they're being bullied, and certainly not all bystanders will say something to an adult. Uh, We we know how important that is. Uh, Michael Yorio, can you talk about uh, the See Something, Say Something campaign uh, that Homeland Security has in terms of um, targeted acts of violence? But it's also relevant with bullying on, on a local level at a school. Um, Not not every child is going to be a bystander who speaks up, but how important is that uh, if you see something say something?
0: Sure, and SSI Guardian, we're a very proud sponsor of that national initiative. Um, It sounds simple because it is simple, um, but it's also extremely effective. So if you see something... Uh, whether that's bullying uh, or another sort of a threat or any sort of suspicious behavior or change in baseline behavior from somebody, uh, we, we need to feel confident and not afraid and do not hesitate to say something. Report it to the proper parties, whether that's in the school, to the teacher, to the principal, uh, to law enforcement, if you're out in the community, um, and, and let the professionals do their job and explore it further. Um, So we're not encouraging people to be paranoid by any stretch of the imagination. um, But when something doesn't seem right, and in the case of bullying, uh, people typically see things that maybe they don't want to get involved. That's really the importance of a school having a robust, best-practice-based bullying prevention program in place with established policies and protocols, uh, which will guide teachers and guidance counselors and administrators to always follow those protocols. So we're not just guessing how should we treat this? Well, that policy will guide you through that. So it's important that schools invest the time and the resources to develop not only the training for the teachers and staff, but also in the policies and protocol creation um, so that they can effectively
2: look at these things from the beginning and hopefully
0: prevent them from getting any worse.
2: That's right. And Erica, with your background as a school social worker, um, what are your thoughts about um, holding students responsible? If the school has a robust bullying prevention and intervention program, as Michael Urio is describing, um, and and uh, reports are made and the students are identified, um, what what are your thoughts about what should happen? And in the case of your son, how effective has that been?
5: Well, for me, I I think we definitely should hold the kids responsible, but even more than that, we need to hold parents responsible. You know, if my child does something in school and it's not right, you know, I want to make sure that he understands what he has done. But I also want to talk with those parents, because although you raise your children up in your home and you teach them right from wrong, you don't know what your children are going to do when they're not around you. But whenever you learn that something has happened, that they've done something that they shouldn't have done, you know, as parents, we ought to be able to come together and talk about the things and help our children to understand what they've done has hurt somebody.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just as uh, parents may miss the signs that their own child is being bullied, it's just as easy to miss the signs that your child may be bullying others. Um, Signs that a child is being bullied might uh, include unexplainable injuries, Uh, lost or destroyed clothing or books or electronics. Um, They may be feeling sick and frequent headaches as they're coping with the stress of what's happening to them. Um, They may have difficulty sleeping, declining grades, which is something that you said you have seen occurring in your son. So um, parents who are listening, if you're seeing those kinds of signs, it's, it's important to... Have a conversation with your children. Uh, Erica, you're, you're fortunate that your son, um, even though he may have intended to keep it to himself, uh, it kind of slipped out and he still was open to tell you what was going on so he could receive your support, and that's definitely a blessing.
5: Yes, it is. And yeah. I w- if I can say this as well, I think a lot of times, too, like with the incident, the first incident to happen, these kids were bullying, but I don't know that they necessarily understood that that's what they were doing Mm -hmm. because they just thought it was fun. Right. You know, and and for me, it's more about educating not only the kids, but the parents, the administrators, Mm -hmm. um, so that we can help our kids. Everybody can help, you know, pitch in and help these kids and teach them the right way. That's right. For me, I need that training as well because sometimes I don't know how to respond to things that have happened. Right. You know, I want to, you know, Coming from a background of you know I'm a pastor and you know you know you're supposed to you're not supposed to you know you're supposed to do the right things <laughs> at all times. Yes, but sometimes that's that's hard to, to do. Sure. But I want to teach my child to do the right things at all times. Right. But sometimes I don't have the answer. Right, and, and there, there's a the
2: program answers. in the schools um, across America. we're seeing more and more social emotional learning programs that are looking at these very issues of empathy and uh, uh, social skills and conflict resolution. And so these are things that um, the parents and the community and educators can all partner to keep our schools safer. Uh, We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll hear more from Erica as well as Michael Yorio and um, talk about best practices for keeping our kids safe at school. Stay with us, we'll be back.
1: Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next-generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP, do something different for a change personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com/retrieve. slash retreat. All right, welcome back everyone. It is time to do something different for a change. We've got a Do something different to keep our kids safe at school. Um, My guests today are Erica Price Pollock. She's the mother of a sixth grader, and we're hearing her story about how he's been bullied at school. We also have Michael Yorio, national safety and security expert and president of SSI Guardian, helping us to understand um, school violence and uh, targeted acts of school violence and how we can prevent and respond to that violence. Uh, So thank you so much, Erica, for being with us. I, I know it can't be easy to to share um... this painful experience that your son's been going through yes. It's difficult yes ma'am well it's something again that we don't talk much about that i think is really important um, an important takeaway of this program is um, signs that your child might be bullying others and we've talked about the signs that your child might be uh... the victim of bullying but no one wants to admit or acknowledge that their kid might be the bully right and so um, we we know that um kids are going to exhibit some signs that are recognizable if we know what to look for if you are seeing that your child is um, getting into physical or verbal fights or they're becoming increasingly aggressive at school that may be a sign that they're bullying others if they're being sent to the principal's office or to detention frequently that could be a sign Um, if they are hanging out with friends who bully others um, because uh, you know, birds of a feather, uh, really does say something about uh, ourselves and our character. We can be judged by who we hang out with. So take a close look at the kids that your child is friends with. Uh, And if they have unexplained extra money or new belongings or um, digital, you know, technology that is outside of their, their allowance would not have allowed them to obtain that so quickly. Ask questions. Where did they get that from? It's possible that your kid might be bullying others. And we know that um, there's a reason why kids are bullying. Um, there's something going on with them and as parents we want to know what that is just as much as we want to know that our child who's the victim of, of bullying is safe and what's happening with them. So thanks again so much Erica uh, for being with us. And if you you hold on we'll, we'll um, talk with you some more. Uh, but Michael Yorio. Um, We know that uh, most children who are bullied are not violent. They do not become violent assailants. They're more likely to suffer in silence and kind of turn that pain inward. But we do see that many of the assailants in uh, school shootings, uh, you cited uh, earlier that bullying is a, a number one attributing factor. One study um, cited that 12 out of 15 school shootings in the 1990s alone, uh, the shooters had a history of being bullied. Uh, so we know that that's certainly a, a risk factor that we should be um, having on our radar as, as educators and administrators. Sure, it's
0: it, it's it's a primary contributing factor um, to school shootings as well as teen suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that continues. Uh, more challenging today than years have passed because of things like social media. Um, Bullying continues 24-7, 365 days a week when you you get into cyberbullying, as it's referred to. Um, So that's where parents can play a critical role. Obviously, they're not in schools, um, but they um, can be active in monitoring their child's social media, their cell cell phones, things of that nature. Um, It's challenging. Um, Kids can find ways around the world, as we all know. Um, But we we have to make a concerted effort, and and to your point, um, for parents to pay attention um, to their child's behavior, maybe belongings, if it's something they can't afford, but how did they afford that? Maybe they're bullying somebody for lunch money. Uh, Maybe they're involved in other uh, nefarious types of activities.
2: That's right. And, Erica, uh, Michael mentioned cyberbullying, and and you stated that uh, the, I don't know if it's a photo or video, when your son was being um, physically uh, slapped in the bathroom, that they posted that on Instagram. Um, th- that's a topic that we talk a lot about on my show, uh, even what a- at what age should kids have smartphones and access to social media. Um, talk about uh, how that all played out with uh, Instagram. Was that something that all the kids were talking about and sharing? Uh, is your son on social media? Did he see it firsthand himself? How did that all play out? He did not see it himself, but the kid who posted it um, told him that he had
5: posted it on there and that he had posted it twice. Mm. Um, and so when the principal spoke with him, and he asked, he he said that he did, and he posted it right after it happened, and then when he got home off the bus, he posted it again, but he had since taken it down. So my son didn't actually see it. Um, he just knew, knew about it. And then other kids, kids that he didn't even know, would come up to him saying, aren't you the kid who got... Slapped,
3: mm.
5: um, and so th- I think that was the part, and that's the part that he shared with his aunt. That's mm-hmm. how it came out. Right, um, and then it just like I said, that's that's how other incidents have have occurred.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, Michael, you make the the point that with cyberbullying now, uh, students can be harassed and um, um, you know uh, humiliated even twenty four seven every day. And again, they that's occurring in the palm of their hands on their device, sometimes in the privacy of their own room with without parents' knowledge. And so, again, um, I, Erica, you talked about parent accountability. That would be something, Michael, you spoke of that as well, that parents are checking their, um, their children's devices, not only to protect them from Nefarious, you know, bad actors out there in the world, but even to see is my kid bullying someone else? What kinds of things is my kid posting? Not just what are the messages that they're receiving. Uh, Michael, let's talk about uh, some other best practices in school safety and and violence prevention uh, that not only address the issue of preventing bullying, but can in turn uh, mitigate risk of any type of uh, violence, including a targeted school attack. Uh, A a recent group of uh, violence prevention experts released a call for action, and that they're kind of making the same points that you're making. That uh, while security measures are important, uh, a focus on simply just preparing Uh, for for shootings is insufficient. And just preparing for responding in those incidents is insufficient. There's got to be a change in mindset, a change in policy uh, from reaction to prevention. And prevention is more than only security measures. Uh, It it, uh, begins long before an assailant shows up at a school. Um, It's a comprehensive, holistic approach that's um, evidence-based, and those are all things that that, um, SSI Guardian um, espouses, and you're traveling the country trying to influence um, uh, school policy and lawmakers uh, with that that idea. Talk about uh, what that would look like, uh, what what you're hoping that schools will begin to do.
0: So the effective uh, approach to all of this starts with prevention and preparation. Um, it, It has to be a combination of the Indicators, the mental behavior, in addition to uh, more physical, traditional security aspects. So, if we, we know through studies, school shootings have been prevented when policies are in place, when individuals take action to report things. Um, we know that people have survived school shootings and workplace violence shootings when they are prepared. So, it really starts with prevention and preparation. Uh, We would much rather spend time and resources and be able to prevent a school shooting from taking place, which everybody's talking about, right? Never again, never again. Listen, there are no guarantees, Um, and it's just like terrorism. There are no guarantees, but you have to prepare for the worst, and if we're not focused on prevention and preparation, uh, you can spend all the time you want on response, uh, but we have seen over the years it's simply not working. Um, the school had two armed school resource officers. One of which was wounded himself and was in critical condition. Um, I don't know his current status, uh, but as of a few days ago, he still remained in critical condition. So these are bad people, evildoers with with guns, and they don't fear a badge. They don't fear another person with a gun. Um, so again, we have to be careful that again, putting a school resource resource officer into the school is a positive step if that individual is trained appropriately but it does not prevent. So that's really the point of all of this and you're absolutely right Dr. Peggy and the group who conducted the study. I, I'm in total agreement with them that we have to focus on the prevention and preparation but also in addition to the response.
2: Absolutely and and it's not to say there shouldn't be SROs in schools. They, they've been there for you know quite some time now and they serve a role in keeping the school safe, but again, we're looking at a a comprehensive, holistic approach to school safety, and obviously, I hope it's obvious, uh, the best intervention is prevention. Wouldn't we much rather um, prevent this incident from happening, prevent violence from escalating, preventing someone who is saying they're mercilessly bullied and can't take it anymore and they're seeking revenge? Wouldn't we rather get that person help? before they decide that violence is, is, uh, is what they want to do to, um, to avenge their grievance. And so you said that um, um, focusing on threat indicators, um, some of the be- observable behaviors is an important approach. Um, threat assessment teams, uh, that's something that we talk about on this program. It's a best practice mm-hmm. in violence prevention. Uh, it's a multidisciplinary team uh, that receives um, reports of threatening or concerning behavior, um, in- including uh, bullying erica if um, if your school had a threat assessment team, sometimes called a uh, student response team or behavioral intervention team, uh, a bystander or a child him or herself who's being bullied could report that to the team that this is happening, uh, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, um, or you know, this person is, mercilessly bullying someone they're so aggressive they're so angry I'm concerned about them that could be reported to a threat assessment team to be evaluated to interview the parties involved to gather information assess risk and then manage the threat to intervene and um, one of the recommendations that this uh, group of um, violence prevention experts has um, put forward in their call for action proposal is that um, that we move away from these exclusionary disciplinary practices. Um, A a kid who's uh, being reported as being a bully, in some schools will be automatically suspended, um, or even expelled if if they're a repeat offender. And we're seeing through the research that this is not necessarily the best approach. Um, Really that social-emotional learning approach of helping the child to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, what the consequences are, Alternative ways of interacting with others, making an apology, making amends, that those things seem to be um, effective. Uh, Michael, uh, SSI Guardian has what's called a 21st century safe school. Um, how, how does that uh, work to maintain a safe school and classroom environment in light of what we're talking about in terms of um, uh, keeping kids safe at school? The 21st
0: century safe school addresses school safety and security from the mental and physical perspective, which precipitates social and emotional learning. So you can't have one without the other. Again, safety impacts learning. So it's important that everything is being addressed and approached in in that comprehensive fashion. Uh, Threat indicators, threat assessment teams, as you mentioned, are absolutely critical. Uh, It really starts there with a threat assessment. Let's understand our threats and then come up with a plan on how we address these threats. Uh, and having that um, combined approach, if you will, from the mental side, from the threat assessment side, and then the response to the physical side. Uh, it all starts with training. It's, it's Unfortunately, there's not one or even three things that I can suggest to a school that they do that will make them safe. It's a plethora of different solutions working in synergy. And that's important. Um, it's, this task cannot be taken lightly. Um, and it's, it's not a check-the-box uh, activity. It is something that requires a lot of thought and continual practice. Threats are always evolving as well. So people ask us all the time, um, what does an active shooter look like? I can't tell you. It could be a myriad of things. We have statistics, uh, but this threat is always evolving. So the majority of the school shooters uh, end up um, not making it. They, they either commit suicide. Or what is called suicide by cop. But as we saw in Parkland and Santa Fe, both attackers survived. That is not, that kind of bucks the trend, if you will.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and in Parkland, the attacker actually left the scene and was arrested off site, which is highly unusual in a school shooting environment. So, again, it's a daunting task. We have to prepare for a bunch of different threats, but that social emotional component is crucial critical. If we could better understand what makes a teenager commit such a violent act and have a thorough understanding of that and enable the professionals to get involved and try to prevent that.
2: Absolutely. And one of the recommendations in, uh, to your point is um, adequate staffing involving counselors, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, uh, community-based mental health services in, in, uh, in school as well as um, in the community, uh, so that we can identify those risk factors for violence. We can see um, when students are feeling depressed and anxious and uh, have personal grievances. Um, there'll be uh, trained professionals in the schools uh, that are available to help uh, help those students. And uh, Erica, with your background as a um, school social worker, how, how important would that be to have the adequate staff in place at school um, when a child is being bullied or even a child who is the bully is reaching out for help? I think it's, in, it's extremely important. And, and I have to
5: echo what you said earlier, you know, suspending a child from school when they're doing these things is not solving the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, yeah, you need to give them consequences, but keep them in school. I think it's more about educating and educating from the bottom all the way to the top um, because people just don't know. They, they don't know how to respond. And we've got these signs up on the wall about anti-bullying, but it's not working. You know, we, we say to our kids, if you see it happening, it's not working. Mm-hmm. One of the incidents that my son had, he was in a class of 56 kids, and the student pushed him down twice. It was caught on camera. He came home and I got in the habit of asking him how things are going and, you know, how school was that day, you know, and he told me about that particular incident. So when I went to the school the next day, they were able to pull it up on a video camera. But I said to the principal, I'm not sure why you have the video cameras if you're only going to watch it when someone brings it to your attention. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of it is you've got 55 other kids in that classroom and you're going to tell me that there's... No one else seen this incident. They saw it, but they're too afraid to share right. it. So what we have in place is not working.
2: And that's so important, um, assessing school climate um, and uh, knowing if there's a culture of caring and a culture of reporting. Some school cultures, it's considered snitching uh, to, yeah. to be a bystander who speaks up when someone's being bullied. So really being able to assess the culture, change the culture, have the appropriate and adequate numbers of staff in place to support the kids who perhaps are struggling or or being bullied. Uh, threat assessment teams, um, social emotional learning. Uh, Michael Yorio, uh, that comprehensive approach is so important, and that's why advanced uh, active shooter training is so important. Uh, that offers not just the response to a critical incident. But everything that we've talked about—prevention, planning, social-emotional learning, and uh, collaboration between law enforcement, school employees, um, parents, and the
0: community—that's mm-hmm. that's absolutely right. If, and if I may reference a recent article in the Washington Post, uh, I'd read something like this—the headline: "And we have Santa about a Fe minute, had, Michael." Yeah, yeah. Santa Fe had training. They had an active shooter plan. They had armed uh, police. But they still lost 10 innocent lives so the question really isn't does the school have training does the school have an action plan do they have the right training is it evidence-based does it address threat indicators as well as response preparation and prevention and is the action plan following security best practices known and practiced
2: by everybody absolutely well michael and erica thanks so much for sharing your expertise and your insights with us today and erica for being so transparent michael thank you for your expertise
0: always a pleasure erica all the best stay safe thank you
2: my guests have been michael yorio and eric erica price pollock and i'm dr peggy mitchell clark reminding you to live well
1: We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with
0: Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.